0: Welcome, everybody. Good to see you all. Glad you're here. Um, next week is Easter. This week, Palm Sunday. And, uh, of course, next, East, uh, next week we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, our Savior. And, and uh, it's going to be so much fun to gather together to do that. Um, Palm Sunday is the Sunday when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And he, was, uh, he entered to the accolades of the people, the praises. They wanted Jesus to be king right? And they were all excited about him. And uh, pretty quickly after that, um, the leaders anyway turned on him and we know what happened next. But you know, it's interesting as Jesus entered Jerusalem and this was the cry of the people that wanted to make him king, that he actually rejected that offer. And the reason he rejected that offer is because Jesus had a mission that he came to accomplish. And it didn't involve becoming a political leader, a military leader, And a lot of people miss Jesus because that wasn't his mission. But in John 17, which is our passage today, we see a little bit of what the mission was that Jesus came to accomplish. John 17 is a high priestly prayer that Jesus prays, and he covers a number of things. And in the prayer, we kind of get some insight into Jesus, his passion, what he was concerned with. And it's so encouraging I know you're gonna be encouraged by this passage and going through this, this um, chapter in scripture because in, in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we get, we get um, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Jesus praying and it's specifically regarding the passion and, and the crucifixion and that work that he's gonna do. But here, uh, there's, it's a longer prayer. It's more involved and we get a lot more insight into Jesus. And so um, Jesus has and is still praying for you. He's praying for you. How powerful is prayer? How powerful is it? What is it, right? We know that prayer is talking to God and uh, the ability to have access to God is so powerful. Um, We live in a world and a country, I think we've been wrestling maybe for a long time, we still are, with how much we want God to be involved. Do we really want him do we really want Jesus involved in our country? Of course, we have a group of people, it seems like they're saying, no, keep him out, right? Or if you want to follow him, keep him to yourself. And then there's a group of people saying, no, Jesus should be at the middle of everything. He is everything, right? And and so we have this battle going on. It seems like it's been going on a long time. And I think what's interesting is every once in a while, something happens that if you follow Jesus and you're paying attention to this cultural battle and this spiritual warfare that's going on kind of makes you sit up and take notice. And there was one such occurrence that took place January 2nd of this year. If you're a football fan, you probably noticed it, probably were aware of it. If you're not into the NFL, maybe you missed it. But January 2nd was a Monday night football game. And there was a young man by the name of Damar Hamlin, who was a, um, a safety for the Buffalo Bills, 24 years old. And uh, there was a play that occurred during the game where um, the receiver caught a pass and he tackles him. And the, you know, it's a collision, the NFL, the collisions are pretty hard, but it didn't look like anything extra. It didn't look like anything super significant. It looked like a normal play. Um, but DeMar Hamlin, as he got up after the tackle, he kind of wobbles a little bit and he fell flat on his back. And it took a minute before people kind of noticed what was going on and then his trainers rushed out and then pretty quickly they're calling out first responders and they're administering CPR. See, um, Damar had uh, gone into cardiac arrest and his heart had quit beating. He died on the field. And so they're working to resuscitate him and fortunately they were able to get his heart going again but still super critical. And so they got him on an ambulance, on a stretcher in an ambulance, rushed him to the hospital and he uh, went through a fight for his life that took, about nine days. Um, the next day, after this occurred, Monday Night Football, ESPN has a broadcast, live broadcast, and there's some announcers. One of the announcers was a man called Dan or, or-, or-, Vilesky, or Orlo- Orlovsky. Sorry, Orlovsky. Um, not super familiar with him, but he was a quarterback for the Detroit Lions. So he's had been a player, and he's... Um, live on TV in this broadcast, and he does something very powerful in a moment, and it's interesting what took place. It's kind of amazing, and so I want you to just take a look at it, replay it if you've seen it, watch again um, if you haven't.
1: Football gave me everything, you know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Sheriff and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I wanna, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for. It is. Demar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you, and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace, If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. It's beautiful. Respectfully.
1: We will continue to cover this story. We'll continue to bring you all the updates that we have. And as usual, we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. I'll just reiterate how secondary football is in all of this. We are thinking and praying, as you've seen here, for DeMar Hamlin and his family, and truly hoping for some better news.
0: Oh, man, kind of interesting. I know some things about ESPN, not particularly a God-fearing network, right? Uh, not particularly open. <laughs> in fact, it seems to go the other direction a lot. And obviously, there was... I can only imagine some negotiations before this took place, like how should this happen and can it happen? And it seems like he's kind of dancing on eggshells and really concerned, doesn't want to offend anybody. But as far as I know, there wasn't a lot of pushback, not a lot of people yelling and screaming about it, because I think in part the sincerity, authenticity. Um, you and I live in a world that's conflicted. There's people say, we don't want God, don't want his presence, but man... Almost everybody prays, especially in moments of crisis. I know some of you have found yourself in these kind of situations. You're in the world, you're at work, you're at school, you're somewhere around people, your family. Crisis occurs. Seems like we have too many of those these days. And there's an opportunity for you to step in and to pray and to intercede on behalf of the people you're around to the God of the universe. As powerful as this is, To see happen on the public square in our country. How much more powerful that Jesus himself, the son of God, is interceding for you. We get a recording we get this prayer of his recorded for us. So we we know what it's like when he prays. We have a sense of what he prays about. and, And we see some things again about Jesus from this prayer things that he was focused on, the first thing that we see revealed about Jesus in this prayer is that Jesus's prayer, it reveals his mission. Follow along as we read the first eight verses of John 17. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Jesus is looking to the next few um, moments when he is going to enter um, the passion. He's going to go on trial. Ultimately, he'll be crucified. He's going to be buried in the tomb, and he's going to rise again. Glorify your son, he says, so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. God the Father gave Jesus authority over everyone because of the work that he's doing because of who he is. He's accomplished a mission. And in doing so, the Bible tells us that God has given him authority and dominion over everything. Jesus says, got authority over everyone. He goes on to say, he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Eternal life. Jesus has the power to give eternal life. Verse three, he goes on to say what that looks like. And this is the way, he says, to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. To know God through Jesus. This is the way to eternal life. Jesus has been given the authority and power to give that life to anyone. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He accomplished the mission. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. He came from the Father, as he said, in the presence of God the Father, and now he says, bring me back into that. Verse six, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you. And they believe that you sent me. Jesus starts off his prayer by praying regarding the mission God sent him on. The importance of the mission, the power in the mission, even the reason for the mission. He came to do a number of things. Glorify God, to reflect God to the rest of the world, to reveal to the human race who God is. He came to restore the truth about God. You know, Romans chapter 1 tells us that the human race started off with the knowledge of who God is. Had the knowledge of God knew where the world came from, how we got here, knew who God was, but that as a human race, as a collective, we gave up that knowledge and started to invent things about God that we wanted to believe, started to create gods, even to form them, right, and worship them. We gave up the knowledge of God. Romans says clearly that's what happened, even though from what has been created, we can see Who God is, we can see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature. We have no excuse, but we've given up this knowledge. Um, Atheistic evolution says we started off like animals. We started off uh, with very little intelligence, and we have grown and acquired more and more and more to get to the pinnacle of all humanity, where we're at now—smartest we've ever been. Right? (laughs) Yeah. thanks for playing. (laughs) Try again. (laughs) But this is the way we are as a human race, right? We have that tendency. Paul says, no, Uh, it's the opposite, right? And so Jesus came to restore that knowledge, to reconnect us to God, a relationship that had been broken. He came to heal it, to fix it, to reveal to us the truth, speak the truth of God into us. This is what he did to his disciples. And he indicates he accomplished the work. Now we know that this work that Jesus did was uh, to initiate, it was to start the movement of Jesus on the planet, which would span thousands of years and continues today. We are here because those individuals, those disciples that Jesus is praying for, he's gonna pray for them next, that he, his work involved, right? Because he accomplished it, he fulfilled it. He imparted to them this life. Jesus' mission, he says um, he accomplished. It's the first first section of this prayer. The second thing that is revealed about Jesus in this prayer is that Jesus' prayer reveals that he was concerned for his disciples. Jesus has brought new information, new knowledge, uh, connected them to God the Father. This has altered their lives, it's changed their identity. It has set them on a different course. And so he knows that in the same way he has faced opposition, that he has faced um, obstacles and difficulties, he has been under pressure, that now his disciples are gonna carry that forward. And the very same attacks that he has felt and will face and ultimately that took him to the cross, that his disciples are going to face that too. And so he begins to pray for them. Verse 9. My prayer is not for the world. That doesn't mean he doesn't love the world, right? We know he does. But this prayer and this portion of the prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. So bring uh, You have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Verse 11, now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so they will be united just as we are. He's leaving the world, but these disciples are going to stay in it. He begins to pray protection over them, specifically by the power of God's name so they will be united. Verse 12, during my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. That is, of course, Judas. Now I am coming to you I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. His teaching, his encouragement, what he poured into them was to fill them with the joy that he had even as he walked out a difficult mission. Verse 14, I have given them your word. The logos, the breath of God, the truth of God, right? I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they don't belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. They have a new identity, new citizenship. Their, their, the course of their life has been altered. They don't fit in here anymore. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, though, Jesus says, but to keep them safe from the evil one. That's a second portion of protection he's praying for. Protection over them so they'll have unity, protection over them from the attacks of the devil. Verse 16, They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Purify them. Sanctify them. Refine them. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. They are going to go out on mission. Just as I came on a mission, they're going to go on a mission. Verse 19, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus willing to lay down his life and sacrifice for them so they could be made holy, they could be purified. Do you see it? And carry on this mission. Jesus' mission that he came to bring to the earth, it involved human race. It involves those who choose to follow him. When you put your trust in Jesus, you now become a part of the advancement of the mission that Jesus started. That's, that's what you're joining. That's what you're becoming a part of. And Jesus knew that for his disciples. And he knew that they were going to enter a world full of wolves that would seek to tear them apart. In part, because they've aligned themselves with God. And whatever God is for, the enemy, the devil, is against. He's gonna come against it. And so by these individuals choosing to believe in him, you know, Jesus was there to protect them while he was on earth. He was there to deflect the darts and the attacks and ensure that they made it. Said I only lost one and that was predetermined that he was gonna play the role he did, that is Judas, in betraying Jesus, a part of the crucifixion story. And so Jesus was there. He goes, now I'm not gonna be here and, and yet I'm gonna send them out into the world. They're remaining here and they're gonna continue this mission. And so he prays protection over them. As we enter the movement of Jesus, the way in which we live, the way in which we advance the cause of Christ, the way we fight this battle, it changes. Jesus employed truth in love. We like to employ, employ truth in anger, right? Uh, we see other tactics Uh, taken and we're going to face other people and come up against other people that are using those tactics. And they're really seeking to destroy and devour us. Many people that we run into the world just trying to get what they want. And yet Jesus calls his disciples to have a different motivation to love, to speak the truth in love, to always be motivated by love. And so that's going to require some very specific protections by God. This passage, this section of the prayer, I really see Jesus praying this protection, right? Protection over them. First thing he prayed protection over them is so they would stay unified. You know, our survival and power as followers of Jesus will only come as we stay united. When we're isolated, independent on our own, we do very little and can do very little to advance the mission of God. He also prayed protection over them so they wouldn't be hurt by the devil's attacks. Peter, the apostle, tells us that the devil is like a roaring lion prowling around looking for somebody to devour. You and I need to know if we're going to put our trust in Jesus, begin to follow him, we have an enemy that is seeking to devour us. This is the nature of this world. And Jesus, our Savior, prayed for our protection against him. Lastly, Jesus prays for protection so they will become and be made holy. Holiness protects us and sustains us from the effects of the sinful world we live in. If you and I remain pure, remain um, um, apart from sin, if we continue to reject sin in our lives and move towards obedience to Jesus, we maintain our health and our power, both as followers of Jesus and as missionaries and as warriors in this world. Those three things are absolutely essential to our success at fulfilling the mission that Jesus came to accomplish. If you're going to be a Christian and you're going to follow Jesus, you're gonna need protection in these three areas. You're gonna need the help of Jesus to ensure that you walk into what God has for you, what he wants for you. As Christians, when we walk in offense and unforgiveness, which is usually where the enemy starts with us, some type of offense based on what someone has done, usually somebody claims to be a Christian. Don't you know they go to church every week, pastor? They claim to be a Christian. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know how they uh, talk to me? Do you know how they act when they're not uh, in church? You know, those kinds of things, right? Right. And then then as a result of those kind of things, those hurts, those offenses that come in, we we begin to walk in unforgiveness. And what happens is as Christians, we become weak and anemic and ineffective at the mission when we're focused on those kind of things. And so the enemy works really hard to get us into that spot. Um, Really, offense is a trap, or excuse me, it's bait. It's used as a bait. And it's used as a bait by the enemy to entrap us, again, to keep us from being effective at accomplishing the mission, at working, at reaching others. And so, um, again, the strategy that the devil employs we see in this passage, very clearly. First of all, he starts by trying to isolate us. When we get offended, when we get hurt, someone's done something, um, we know it's wrong, we've been wronged, we have a tendency, again, to pick up that bait and and uh, entraps us. And so we move towards anger and we move towards uh, bitterness and this begins to isolate us. We pull away from those hypocritical Christians. We don't wanna be around them. Do you know what they do to you? Do you know how they hurt you? Do you know what kind of people they are? And I've been wronged and I've been mistreated and so this makes me go, oh, I'm not gonna hang out with them. I don't wanna be around them, right? You know what I'm talking about. This is his strategy. And that moves, uh, what he does next is he bombards us with lies. He bombards us with lies. See, they're all hypocrites. Uh, There's nobody really that follows Jesus. There's nobody that's really authentic. They're really just gonna hurt you. It's okay to stay away. In fact, you should protect yourself from them. And we begin to listen to those lies. And we don't have anybody to counteract them because we're isolated. And so we listen to them more and we start to believe them because they appeal to us. They appeal to our ego and to our pride and our sense of being wronged. And then what happens next is he tempts us away, encourages us away into some type of sinful behavior that compromises who we are. But we, we're okay with it because we deserve something good in our lives. We've been wronged so much. And so we make allowances and pretty soon we're living in a pattern that is distancing us from God more and more. Distancing us from his people. This is a strategy that the enemy employs to keep the work of God from being effective. It works really, really well. It's worked in my life. Maybe it's worked in yours too. It all starts with that unity piece that Jesus prays over. Protection for these disciples that they may be one as you and I, Jesus and the Father are one. He's like, this is so important. They're not gonna be able to accomplish the mission unless they're unified. And so he prays over that. It all starts with unity. And yet we know where you have two people, you got two opinions, right? And we have a tendency to kind of want our way. I like the, the the guy that wanted to be a rancher. Uh, years ago, he was from New York. And uh, so he got the dream to be a rancher. And so he moved out probably, I don't know, somewhere in Wyoming maybe. And he, he bought a ranch and took his family with, his wife and two sons. And they were going to start a new life. And, and so they got the land, they got the cattle. And, and uh, about a year later, some friends from New York came to visit and they so, man, how's it going? And he eh. said, so, well, first things first, we didn't see uh, you know, the big marquee over the entryways. We came in, you're supposed to have one of those. What's the name of the ranch? And he said, well, we struggled a little bit there. Um, I wanted to call the ranch the Bar J. My wife wanted to call the ranch the Susie Q. One of our sons wanted the Flying W and the other one wanted the Lazy Y. So we compromised. We're calling it the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W, Lazy Y. And the friend was like, oh, that's one way to solve the problem. Um, He goes, well, where's all the cattle? And the guy said, well, they didn't survive the branding. Yeah. Um, I know, I know. Hey, uh, but here's the reality, right? Is that that kind of silly illustration of the difficulty we have agreeing on anything is a bigger issue it's a real issue in the church of jesus because how many would be christians people that want to be in god's house want to be around god's people but those christians can't even get along long enough to to agree on anything and, and to want to be together and it seems like they're fighting all the time and what i hear about them in the community is always negative and bad i don't know if i want to even try that i mean that's the result of our lack of unity I know we struggle. I struggle. It's difficult. I'm selfish, right? I want my own way. Maybe you're that way too at times and we struggle with it. And yet Jesus' prayer was to keep us from walking down this road, from stepping into this trap. And there's a greater purpose. It's important for our own lives. It's also important if we're gonna accomplish the mission. We should be thinking about the needs of the people around us. We should be ready to respond in a moment of crisis, to pray with somebody, to share with somebody, to care about somebody. But when we're consumed with what's been done to us, that's wrong. It just, it takes us off course. The last thing that Jesus, or that is revealed about Jesus in this prayer is that Jesus's prayer reveals his heart for us. What he does next is something really profound. He prays for you and I. Verse 20, we continue reading this prayer. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us. Why? So that the world will believe you sent me. See, that oneness, that unity, see how important it is. It, it gives credibility. It points people to believe in Jesus rather than reject him. And we play a role in that. And it's our oneness, our unity, our connection with each other. I am in them, or I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I mean, that's the majority of this portion of the passage and it's all about unity. It's all about oneness. Keeps using the illustration. Father, you're in me. I'm in you. We're so closely connected. We're so closely unified. We can accomplish a mission. That's what he's praying for us. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed them, or I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Our unity is essential to the fulfillment of the mission. Maybe the reason at times we feel like we're not seeing as many people in our culture turn to Jesus as we think should, we know there's a need. You and I have a heart for that. We wanna see people come to Christ. I just wonder, sometimes is it because we're not as unified as we need to be, right? We're not as unified as Jesus prayed we would be. He knew it would be an essential component. And so maybe at times I need to think more about that than just about reaching the world. And I want to reach people that don't know Jesus. I know that they're headed for an eternity separate from God if they don't come into a relationship with Jesus. And yet sometimes it starts with me loving the people around me, loving my fellow believers, being unified with them. They see us again hate on each other, tear each other down, be critical. It does damage to God's work. I don't know that we can measure how much damage it does, but it has a significant impact. I wonder if you have maybe picked up the bait of offense and got caught in that trap that the enemy is trying to trap you in. And if that's begin to isolate you, pull you away from some Christian friendships or relationships or even man, I just don't really want to be involved in anything. I don't want to get that close. It hurts too much. You know, I, I know, I understand that, but do you understand that's a tactic of the of the enemy to pull you out of being effective, out of being having a vibrant walk with Jesus? And so I just wonder if have you um have you been pulled that direction? And then, you know, and then those lies come at us, man. And the enemy is so good at lying, and he uses scripture even to lie to us. So we'll justify doing, right? what we feel like doing because we've gotten hurt and offended. And so we justify it. And pretty soon we're off in a road and living a life doing things maybe we know are wrong. They go against our convictions, but we've kind of justified them. And then we're just deeper in that trap. Man, I've gotten caught in that. I mean, I think we're all susceptible to it. We don't even always see it. And yet Jesus' prayer here exposes it. And His prayer for us says, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. He wants us to see the Father clearly, to have clear eyes, to see the spiritual reality of the world around us, to be focused in on the spiritual battle that we're in. We are in a colossal, universal, cosmic war for the hearts and souls of people. And you and I are God's plan to reach them. And he's put us together in a church and said, hey guys, be unified so that you have power, right? And don't listen to the lies. Be protected from the enemy. Preach each other the truth. Encourage each other with the truth so you stay on track. You need each other to accomplish the mission. And then you'll become holy. Your holiness will protect you from sin and from damage and from hurt, right? This is the prescription to effectively accomplish the mission. And you and I are called to it. And and it's so important that we understand that we keep our eyes on Jesus that we see the world around us. We don't get caught in the trap. Easter is this coming weekend. You and I should be thinking about the people around us. Who needs an invite? Who doesn't know Jesus? Who hasn't been in church? Who needs an invite? I'm gonna to try to reach out to them. But if I'm thinking about the offense, if I'm caught in this trap, I won't do it. I know I won't do it. And so how important is it that Jesus is praying for you and me? Because we get caught sometimes. But as we end our service today, I want to give you an opportunity to get uncaught. To get out of that trap. Or to get back on point. Serving Jesus. Working towards his mission. And so if you feel like, man, maybe I've gone down that road. Maybe I've gotten caught in that a little bit. Maybe I've let, you know, the enemy pull me away. Isolate me a little bit. Maybe I'm just, man, I can feel that pull. I'm struggling Pastor. I just want to ask you to stand up as we end the service so I can pray over you. Maybe you're saying, man, I've just gotten consumed with other things and I've kind of lost sight of what I'm here to accomplish as a follower of Jesus. I need to be reaching the world around me. Would you pray for me this week because I'm going to try to invite some people to Easter. I'm going to try to be outspoken about my faith. Maybe you'd say, man, yeah, I want to be that person in a moment that can step in and pray. I can intercede because I do know Jesus and I know how to pray. And I just need prayer pastor that will step up into that moment. Wherever you're at, I'd like to pray for you, pray over you. Jesus is praying for you, right? But I want to pray for you today. And so if you need some of that prayer, just stand up as we're in this service. and Let me pray for you. I want to pray for power and courage. I want to pray for restoration. That you'll be released. That you can be effective at this mission. God, would you uh, move in us and through us. I pray you'd move in me. Uh, God, help me to um, have discernment to catch when I'm being tempted to pick up that bait and step into that trap. And Father, I pray that you'd protect all of us from that. If someone here has been caught in that, God, will you just release them today? Help them to forgive and release and let go and uh, be restored in their relationship with you. God, we get um, bombarded with the lies of the enemy all the time. and Father, we need your truth, just like you, you taught the disciples and you've preserved in your word the truth for us so that we can hear the truth and be set free. And so I pray that over this church and each person here. God, uh, help them to discern the lies and be able to hear the truth. And Father, would you continue to purify us? We get caught in traps of behaviors that are sinful and they weaken us, they pull away our strength, they they ruin our witness. We don't really wanna step up. We really don't wanna identify ourselves. Father, would you release and forgive and help, help those of us that need to confess that and walk away from it? God, would you just continue to do work in us? Bring us to that place of um, effectiveness at reaching the world around us. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus.